The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, folks, here on Big Blue Views Podcast Network. Today, we are discussing the Reese's Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. We're breaking down everything that happened during the week, guys that we really liked, guys at specific positions of need for the New York Giants, everything that you might have missed during the week of practice and during the game to fill you in on the latest NFL draft event during the 2021 cycle. Folks, before we get into this, I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum and Nick Filato. Please make sure you hit that subscribe button to stay up to date on all of our podcasting content. Leave us a five-star review if you enjoy listening to the show and head to bigblueview.com for more analysis, stories, anything about the New York Giants. So guys, the Senior Bowl, always an exciting event. We didn't get to go to it this year. I was actually looking forward to not being a student for once, being able to attend. COVID obviously gets in the way of that. We still had access to the practice tape, had the ability to watch this stuff, got to watch the game. A lot of really good takeaways and interesting names earned themselves some money after this week. Some guys hurt themselves. We're not going to go too deep on that, but we really want to dive into names that you folks as Giants fans need to be aware of. And to start off, I just want to talk about guys that we liked, guys that we just want to discuss that might not end up being Giants players because they're not at positions of need, but they're still just really fun prospects that had really interesting performances during the week. So Nick, let's head to you first. You've got a a good clump of guys here that I think a lot of people are in agreement with on, and I agree with you completely about all three of these guys. So where do you stand and who are the guys that you really liked after this week? Yeah, I think the number one guy who kind of captured everyone's love down at the Senior Bowl, there's always a player that does that, would be Division Three's Quinn Miners, which I have a soft spot for being a Division Three guy myself. He's out of Wisconsin, Whitewater. And it's funny, a buddy of mine actually helped coach him in college. His name is Owen Reese. And he was telling me about Quinn Miners last year at the Senior Bowl. He was like, this guy is going to earn a bid to the Senior Bowl and he's going to take everyone by storm. You watch. And I was just like, oh, yeah, you know, this is his guy. He's probably just propping him up. But... Reese was right. I mean, Quinn went down there. He was 
with this crop top, <laughs> just showing <laughs> off that belly. But he carries that 320 pounds actually really well. And he was holding up at the point of attack, used his hands incredibly well, had a base, could run block, could pass protect, which was really, really surprising. And he didn't play at all this entire year. I thought Quinn Miners was absolutely ridiculous in this game, considering all the variables that go into it. And he was probably going to be a round seven pick, maybe a UDFA. And now he jumps up to possible day two, probably going to be more of a Ben Barch situation, who was another small school kid at last year's senior bowl, who ended up getting drafted in the fourth round. But I really like what Quinn Miners did. Yeah, I, I like what I saw from him too. You talk about his base. I saw him match up against my guy. I'm not going to name his or say his name just yet. But you know he held up really well, weight anchor. He was able to absorb a really good bull rush a couple, on a couple occasions. Keep that nice wide base, low hips, good pad level, and you know I think my the very first note I sent to you in our kind of behind the scenes chat about the Senior Bowl was about that crop top. My own personal note is if I was going to do that, I'd probably get a sharpie, and maybe draw on some abs or something. But then you wind up in the situation where you get hot, you get sweaty, you get working, and all of a sudden your abs start to run. That's no good. But yeah, it's obvious the guy has a, a really great personality. He looks like he'd be a lot of fun to have in your locker room. All those, he is definitely an interesting guy. And I think somebody, someone some Giants fans should want to get to know because he can play center. He did look good at guard as well. And, and Quinn Miners was really interesting looking at his week because the first thing that that pops up, uh, you know, on everybody's Twitter feed was the rep where he got beasted by Levi, uh, Levi on Wuzurike and immediately overreactions were thrown out there about Quinn Miners. But s- since that rep, he completely um, worked against that stigma. He looked really, really good, and he was able to build off of that early mistake, that early bad rep. You can't put all of your stock on one rep because the rest and the full picture that we saw during his week was absolutely fantastic coming from a guy who is a Division three player coming from a program that has produced uh, not a ton of NFL talent, but some really good college football players because they have been one of the few powerhouses at the Division three level. If I, I want to bring up another offensive lineman before we end up hitting on some of these other players. We've got two defensive linemen and a receiver that we're going to discuss in this first segment. But uh, Donta Smith, I really enjoyed watching him and, and, and coming in when he does his measurements. He's got stupidly long arms. He's a really tall guy. And the expectation that we had here was uh, he was limited in his upper body strength, but just a really, really fluid, good mover for a guy his size. And we started to see in a lot of these these one-on-one reps and, and during these drills, he moved really, really well. And it's not like he was just moving well and then getting beat after his, uh, his initial set. There were a couple reps that he had that I was really impressed by using his length, using his long arms to create extension and separation from edge rushers and and win reps. I honestly would compare Donta Smith to what we saw from Matt Parrott last year, where coming from an American conference school, um, some people knowing about him, others not really having much knowledge on him, but because he has those physical rare tools for a player that's at six foot seven, he really benefited during these uh, during these practices. Absolutely. Absolutely. Deonta Smith looked really good out there. Very, very fluid. I mean, he has 85 and one fifth wingspan, 35 and one fourth arm, 294 pounds. So he's a little bit light in the trunk, just like Matt Parrott and six foot five. I think he checks all the boxes and he looked good on film too. So he's definitely someone at tackle who intrigues me for one of those developmental type of pieces. But to circle back to Quinn Miners one second, just because I want to tie this into Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman. Miners broke his hand in practice 
and pleaded to coach Brian Flores mm. to play in the final, to play throughout the practice and into the game. And I don't believe they let him see the field, although he was dressed. But if that doesn't speak to Dave Gettleman, I don't know what will. So, uh, you know, that's a really interesting uh, tidbit to throw out there. And I, I think a lot of people might not have known that because he doesn't play in the game. Doesn't A lot of people might not have realized that backstory, but that does to me really definitely scream being a part of this Giants team, this Giants offensive line, because that is one tough thing to do in the cold, messing up your hand like that and then begging to go out there and play when uh, some of these other guys, they have a slight ding and they're just like, I'm, I'm done for the rest of the week. I'm out. You know, I got to protect my draft stock. Instead, you've got one tough SOB over here demanding to be put into the game because he broke his hand of all things which is not easy to play as an offensive lineman with a messed up hand like that uh kind of hitting on over to these defensive linemen uh chris who is your guy that you really like during this week yeah mine was uh also a digazua uh defensive lineman interior defensive lineman out of ucla also younger brother of uh giants draft bust oa digazua got to put that out there up front but just because Oa didn't pan out. You know, that doesn't mean you should ignore Osa, which, yeah, I'll admit I was a little bit guilty of that coming in. I saw his name on the senior bowl roster and I was like, I don't know. Do I do I really want to dig into this guy? You know, that you know, kind of fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, or maybe, you know, once bitten, twice shy, if you want to go for the old 80s song. But I was really impressed with what Odigazua did during the week. He's got great natural leverage. He's only 6'2, but you know, 280, 285, somewhere around there, 34-inch arm. So he's got the length you want. He plays with a great wide base. You know, talk about him with Quinn Miners. When you see the two of them go up against each other, it was just a fantastic battle. And he's got, you know, that same kind of explosive athleticism that made Oa Odigazua so intriguing coming out of college. But he's doing it at a higher body weight. He's got a ton of play strength, but he can also win with quickness. And he was just a wrecking ball all week long into and throughout the game. Yeah, Osa really flashed some of that good stuff that he he had. And, and I think the expectation coming into this was he's a very good athlete, but we didn't really know, I think, to the full extent how disruptive he can be. It, it hurts a little bit to discuss uh, Inoa Digizua on the show, considering the rough history that the Giants have with uh, had with his brother and the little impact that he had despite the enormous hype uh, that he had coming into uh, playing for the New York Giants. But Osa, I think, worked away from that stigma. They're two completely different players, a little bit more of an interior player than his brother was. Really, really liked what he did. And he was a huge problem uh, during the game with based on a lot of the stuff that, that he did. All right, coming up, we are going to discuss a number of players at positions of need for the New York Giants. Before we get to that, though, folks, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. All right, so we've got a number of positions that we want to touch on here and uh, get into the nitty-gritty of specific names that we want to discuss so you have an understanding of who maybe to be aware of that you didn't know of in these middle rounds that were at the Senior Bowl. And while running back might not be the biggest concern for a position of need, I think that we all realize no Wayne Gallman, as we discussed on our running back evaluation show, if he doesn't come back, they're going to need to do something. And I, I really like that we are have already brought up Michael Carter and then another fun name here too, Chris Evans from Michigan, but Carter guys, 
for me, had a really, really good game, a really good week of practice. And the one thing you saw from him, small compact running back, five foot seven, not easily tackle uh, tackleable, but he is so easy at, at creating space and also doing really good stuff out of the backfield. And I think he might provide an interesting secondary option to Saquon Barkley because he's a completely different skill set. He really is. He's very electrifying, very, very quick feet and you get him the ball in space and he really is elusive makes a lot of people miss his great agility and you could just see how he also has vision on a lot of backside runs he would be hitting the front side of the play he would see a backside gap open and he would just explode off of that inside foot and next thing you know he's at the second level and he's accelerating if you turn on north carolina's film they have two really good running backs michael carter he's the smaller shiftier type who is more of a third down back although he kind of struggles in pass protection if we're going to be real but then they have javante williams who's an absolute house who's very very good in pass protection and i think both of these players will end up probably going uh, at least on day two I don't know if Michael Carter will fall to day three, but if he does, that would be great value for someone of his skill set. Yeah, I think I would be comfortable taking either one of those players in the second round, really just depending on what you need and what your offensive scheme is like. Personally, I am partial to Javante Williams just because I am a sucker for contact balance in a running back, and he has it for days. But you know, we saw Michael Carter. He is, he was electric out there. He could you know, he was could not be tackled. He had that great he had a second gear you know really good agility really good vision he's got good hands there's just so much he does well he also i have to say gave us my favorite play of the weekend on that touchdown where he gets hit six yards out from the end zone and still winds up scoring although i think if we're being honest the last two or three yards his feet were not on the ground and it was just (laughs) him being stuck in the middle of a reverse tug of war between the offense and defense I was just about to bring that up, Chris. It's so funny because I was like, look at him just driving through. I'm like, dude, he's levitating right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's five foot seven. You should not be able to see his helmet in line with the offensive lineman. That, no. Exactly. <laughs> right, right. Michael Carter, though, I think just looking at his outlook, if he doesn't end up being a New York giant, he's somebody that would probably benefit from being in a a grouping with another established running back. Uh, I think the the general stigma with him is that he's probably not going to turn into a workhorse just because of his size. But again, if you bring him in and work him in with Saquon Barkley, I, I think that uh, he would be a much younger and more effective version of what you had with Deion Lewis this past year. Deion Lewis didn't really do much, but as we know, small, used to be shifty, used to be a really good receiver. I think you can get that with Michael Carter, and that would be a really fun addition to the running back group of a complete opposite style of running back to be that change of pace on third down so you don't have to keep Saquon Barkley in there for every single offensive rep. But the the bigger position offensively of need and the only other offensive position group that we're going to talk about here the receivers and a lot of these receivers are mostly underclassmen there are a lot of fun electrifying names that are going to be talked about at that 11 spot but we don't know for sure if the Giants are going to go receiver or if they might attack some of these other defensive issues that they currently have. So if that does happen, it's going to be up to day two, early day three for them to maybe figure out that receiver position, as we've mentioned on the receiver evaluation show that we did. So guys, who are some of the names that are really exciting to you from the Senior Bowl um, that were in Mobile 
I think I would start with Nico Collins out of Michigan. He's six foot four, two hundred and fifteen pounds, thirty two and a half inch arms. So he has solid length as well, and I feel like he just uses his frame and body incredibly well. Now the questions with Nico Collins, he opted out of the twenty twenty season, so there were kind of a lot of questions on how good he can be at this event with no game time over the last year, with no really ability to see the field in that time period and he went down there and in the first couple days of practice he was jumping over people making contested catches and running routes really well I think the question with him is how well will he be able to separate at the next level I thought he did a solid job doing that at the senior bowl sinking his hips and exploding in and out of breaks I don't think it's his elite trait but I do think he could be a prototypical x type of receiver in the league that you can get at a solid point right now because his value is a little bit down although he did do well for himself at the senior bowl but opting out of 2020 I think is still going to give some general managers some pause yeah and I'll, I'll be honest just from his perspective I don't hate him opting out because I don't think another year of playing with those Michigan quarterbacks would have Oof. really helped him that's true uh, just watching his tape it was ridiculous how many times he would be open down the field set to deliver a big play first down touchdown chunk yardage whatever and either the quarterback didn't see him or would just flat out miss him yeah he's great at adjusting to passes down the field because he had to be yeah i was actually surprised and impressed by his route running at the senior bowl Mm -hmm. i did not think he could sink his hips and cut and break like that you know a just because of his sheer size but also because you didn't really see it on tape at michigan but then he never really had an opportunity to show that so i I think that is one of the benefits for all of these guys at the senior bowl and then you know just talking about exciting i I have to go with the just mention Dwayne eskridge i'm not sure if he is a fit for the giants if the giants could use him well or use him to his fullest but goddamn, that guy's fun to watch. Eskridge was similar to Quinn Miners in the sense of the first two practices. He kind of stole the show and was just absolutely dominating uh, these cornerbacks out there, despite the fact that he didn't get to play all season because he's a Western Michigan guy. And I also thought the UCLA running back slash wide receiver, Dimitrik Felton, also falls into that category. And I thought Kate Johnson, who is another smaller dude from South Dakota State, falls in there. It's just I don't know if the Giants can attack these guys because a lot of these guys are going to be quote-unquote slot dudes, and they have Sterling Shepard. Yeah, now just go, circling back to Eskridge's tape, I do think he can play on the outside. I actually liked his hand usage and footwork, you know, separating from – tight man and press man coverage at the line of scrimmage as an ex-receiver at Western Michigan. Now, obviously, there's a difference between that level of competition and the NFL, but I think he could actually do it. Certainly not full-time, but just as a movable piece. You know, he got a lot of comparisons to Tyreek Hill. I'm not going to go there with him, but just as a guy you can move around your offensive formation, I don't think he has to be limited to the slot. And and the thing with Eskridge and, and at those smaller schools though sometimes is just because they're their best receiver, they will ask them to do things that probably don't really relate to their, their stylage and usage in the NFL. And I think that it's a little disappointing to be talking about Eskridge and, and Felton and Kay Johnson, who I all thought were fantastic, but I, I think if we're just being realistic here, 
The Giants probably aren't going to take a swing at another smaller receiver unless one of these guys slides and they're available later on. And they say, oh, you know what? We had a high grade on this guy. Let's let's pull the trigger. It would be fun to add one of these super fast, electric, um, you know, chess piece type guys. But right now, I think the priority is probably going to be one of these bigger players. And the other bigger guy that had a pretty good week and a, and a noticeably good game was Desmond Fitzpatrick from Louisville, who is on the taller side. Not, uh, you know, the, the best receiver that was there in Mobile, but saw a lot of really good things from him and might you know lend himself to be uh in the conversation for i don't know somewhere in day three if he's still available i think that's a wise take to be honest if it is going to be somewhere in day three he has solid size solid length 32 and a half inch arms 85 5 8 inch wingspan so he can go up and he can pluck high point the ball which we did see throughout his film and i think he probably will be there on day three so if the giants don't end up going say wide receiver at 11 or in the first round and they go in another direction and they want to kind of load up on the wide receiver position, something we've seen Dave Gettleman do in the past with cornerbacks. He did it last year with linebackers. Maybe he just takes a couple kicks at the can at wide receiver if they're able to get a little bit more draft capital. Des Fitzpatrick would be a good name to add on day three. Yeah, even if they do get a receiver early on, maybe if they get like a Jalen Waddle and still want to get a bigger body out there, I would not be opposed to doubling down and getting uh, Des Fitzpatrick or Austin Watkins Jr. from UAB. You know, both of those guys, good size. I was impressed with their route running. Fitzpatrick, in particular, I was really impressed with his uh, concentration catching the ball. You know, there were a few times where it was yeah, not an easy catch, but he was still able to look the ball into his hands and really secure the catch. And yeah, he might not have been the best receiver on the property, but he did have the best game. I'm not going to lie. You brought up Austin Watkins, and I'm so glad you did. I think that kid is very underrated. I thought he had a good week, and I watched UAB's offensive tape, and that dude was excellent at selling his the routes that he was going to run up his stem. He was absolutely excellent at it with the subtleties of playing the position. And he was a deep threat at UAB. I don't know if he's going to, if that skill set's going to really translate to the NFL, but I really thought that he had an underrated week that not a lot of people are talking about him. And he's also yoked up, kind of looks like a running back out there, really, really thick lower body and can run through people. I really did like what I saw from Watkins on his tape and down there in Mobile. You talk about how thick he is. Even as strong as he is, he was surprisingly fluid out there. Honestly, I was kind of getting like a a Jeremy Davis type vibe off of him. Shifting our focus now to some of the defensive guys because there's a lot of good defensive names that I think we want to bring up here. The linebackers, uh, Baron Browning has been a a popular name as of late from Ohio State, and I thought he looked pretty good in the game. He had a number of uh, you know strong plays where he made plays in the backfield or at the line of scrimmage. And then additionally, Jabril Cox, who former North Dakota State linebacker transfers to LSU, um, gets thrown into the mix here for the Senior Bowl, and I-, I thought that he looked pretty fluid. A little bit on the lighter side, I think he's a little closer to 215, 220, but still a really, really good athlete. Both these guys, I think, are worth the mention for the Giants' need of a, a second inside linebacker. I would agree, especially with Baron Browning, because this dude's six foot three, two hundred and forty one pounds. And when you see that, it's like, oh, this dude probably can't play in the modern day NFL. This is like a throwback to the nineties because of that weight at the linebacker position, but he's pretty damn fluid and he can cover and he can come downhill and he can stick you when he's long and you could also use him as a 
as a pass rusher in sub packages, I really think Baron Browning from Ohio State would translate very well to what Patrick Graham wants to do, where he wants to line some linebackers up on the edge, drop them into coverage, put him as a weak side linebacker next to Blake Martinez and use him in coverage that way. He can do man coverage as well. He's fluid enough to do that. So I really love this kid's size and athletic ability. I think he'd be excellent for the Giants. Yeah, watching him, I was impressed with how he was able to get after the passer as a outside rusher coming up the middle. He... I thought disguise when he was going to blitz or drop into coverage pretty well. All those things are important for Patrick Graham. It, to me, he kind of reminded me as like a, a, a day two version of Micah Parsons. I'm not going to say a poor man's version because you're still going to use a premium draft pick on him, but just, you know, not a top 10 draft. And Jabril Cox, I thought he moved really well. He came downhill hard during the game. Yeah, you know, he's... He weighed in at somewhere around 235, if I remember correctly. But he played like he weighed about 240, 245 out there. So I think both of those guys could be really good additions to the Giants' defense, good complements to what Blake Martinez does well. Now, there's also a a Notre Dame guy on our list, so I'm just going to sit back and let Joe talk about him. (laughs) And adding in here, I think this is a good way to juxtapose talking about these edge guys because Dalen Hayes from Notre Dame is primarily an edge player, but I think if selected by the Giants would be playing that Lorenzo Carter, Kyler Fackrell type role because he was a stand-up um, rush linebacker. I really like Dalen Hayes, and I actually got the chance to speak to him on uh, the show that I do that covers Notre Dame. And I, I really, you know, really enjoy talking with him just because he's a really smart, um, hardworking kid. But in terms of what he does on the field, very high motor. I, just seeing him relentlessly go after these these pass rush reps. He's not as I think as high ceiling as some of the other players that were there, but just he's going to go out there and he's going to bust his butt. He's not going to be a high production player, but because he has, um, you know, the general physical build and the the physical traits that I I think he could carve out a successful role for an NFL team. And the one comparison that I've kind of hit on with Dalen Hayes that I've, I've had a couple people agree with me on is I think that Dalen Hayes is going to probably be like Marcus Golden at the next level where he's going to be a stand-up rusher, uh, play mostly as a, you know, quote, outside linebacker in a, in a 3-4, uh, can cover a little bit, but primarily as a, a pass-rushing outside linebacker. I really liked what I saw from Dalen Hayes on his film as well, and I know his stats do not pop out whatsoever. He played five years because he had a redshirt year in 2019 where he only played in three games, ended up getting injured, but he only had nine sacks, 20 and a half tackles for a loss. That's kind of modest for that much, that many games. But I think when you turn the tape on, you see that he has some juice as a pass rusher, some burst explosiveness, a good first step, uses his hands well, and he has heavy, violent hands as well. I think he could be a later pick that you can draft, he can come in, and he's going to give you everything he has. And he also has some intriguing pass rushing traits. So I really like that call. And I also think Ad Ogundiji, his teammate at Notre Dame, who is more of a prototypical edge rusher, very, very long type of player. I watched his film in college, and I, I wasn't blown away by it. But then he goes down to the Senior Bowl and has a really good week, especially on day one, just winning one-on-ones consistently, very crafty with his hands as a pass rusher. I don't really see him taking on too many double teams. I saw in team period he was getting moved off the ball a little bit when he was being double teamed as, say, a five technique. But I still think the length and the traits that he brings as a pass rusher translate well to the NFL, and he could be a solid pick on day three. 
And Ade Ogundiji, I think that's a really good point that you bring up here. Is you watch him on tape, and, and you don't really get a whole lot, a lot out of his game tape. Uh, and it can be a little frustrating at times, but the, the things that we saw at the Senior Bowl is that he has the flashes. And if you can work with those physical tools that, again, are rare, and length is one of the things that is always emphasized with offensive and defensive linemen, because he's long and he, and he has some good twitch to him, I think that he is a, a fun project, if you will, um, as, a, as a pass rusher, as an uh, outside defensive lineman, uh, because of that. And the, the only thing that when I talk about flashes, there'd be times where some drills, like he'd look really good and he'd easily win a rep. And then other times he'd get completely stonewalled and shut down at the start of the rep. And then he would kind of slow down and not really finish that rep. And I think if you can unlock the part of him that easily can defeat interior offensive linemen, um, you, you know, you could get a really, really good rusher with Adi. Yeah. And I, I got to say, you know, before the practices got started, it was Jim Nagy tw- tweeted out that uh, Janoris Robinson won weigh-ins. I'd say Aguna DJ was right there with him. You know, six foot four and a half, two fifty-six, eighty-five and three-eighths inch wingspan, thirty-five and a quarter inch arms. That is like some defensive coordinator ordered him out of a catalog. You know, so if you can unlock those traits, get those measurables to work for him on a consistent basis, you could have an incredible value there. Yeah, and that 85 and 3 8 wingspan, I want to say, was the longest in the entire senior bowl. So there's something to be said for that as well. I mean, that's just incredible. Yeah, that's that's not <laughs> natural to to have a wingspan <laughs> that that big for a, a guy that's a, a pretty good athlete as well. Finishing up here with some defensive backs, we've got mostly tall, long corners, and then we've got a safety that we're going to throw in here at the end. But uh, this was such an interesting, fun year for corners at the Senior Bowl because there were so many 6'2 plus guys that went out there and flashed what they're capable of doing. And the, and the two players that I think looked really good on one on ones and then also during the game, uh, Efeitu Melon Fonmu from Syracuse and then Benjamin St. Juice from Minnesota. I really liked what I saw. There were a lot of times during the game specifically where he was just locking guys down. He had some knockdown passes. Just having long arms and being a taller corner, I, I think, is the trend that we're working towards now in the NFL. It, it's not like it's becoming the, uh, the the necessary need for it, but there's a lot taller corners than there typically have been um, that are doing really, really well in these man-on-man situations. And the Giants, that's kind of what they need right now. They need somebody that is going to be um, taller, longer, and really good in one-on-one spots. I think Melon Fondu would translate well to what Patrick Graham wants to do because he can jump up there, press, very, very disciplined at the line of scrimmage from everything I saw in terms of his patience and his footwork. really waits for the wide receiver to fully commit before he commits his hips. He stays square, inches back, executes good technique at the line of scrimmage, and he's pretty fluid for a dude who's six foot two. And that's something that I don't think his brother was. His brother was an excellent athlete. And his brother was a second round pick by the Raiders who is all but busted in the league, although he's still like 27, 28 years old. But he had some of the best combine numbers ever. But I don't think he was as fluid as Ifitu. So I really, I think Ifitu can come into this league and be a really solid player at the cornerback position, someone worth a day two pick, someone worth a second round pick with the length and the athletic ability that he does possess. I think Syracuse has a couple good defensive players. They have Andre Sisco, the safety as well. And they have Trill Williams, another cornerback who played slot a lot for them, who's an excellent athlete, four-star recruit. So I think Syracuse could show up this year at the draft. Yeah, And with Mel Von Roo, I, 
I think he does have also the legitimate ability to transition to safety if, you know, for some reason, cornerback doesn't quite work out for him. You know, he's got that size. You talk about 6'2", he's also 212, which, you know, that is almost prototypical safety size. In fact, mm-hmm. that's kind of a bigger safety even. But, I, you know, I like the way he came when he was in off coverage, the way he came downhill. There was uh, one red zone drill. I believe it was in team periods on the second day where he comes down and, you know, wide receiver catches the ball. It looks like he basically has to turn up field, take two steps, and he's got a touchdown. Well, Melifon was right there, and he just says, no, you won't either. And that receiver didn't move another inch. And that's the kind of thing you want to see from a safety. I mean, obviously, you want a cornerback to be able to come in and tackle like that, but you absolutely need a safety to be able to. Yeah, also talking about uh, you know tall, long corners, I liked what I saw from Keith Taylor Jr. He gave up those two-ish touchdowns but you know i like the way he was able to move out there in space you know i thought he had pretty quick feet pretty fluid hips especially for another six foot two cornerback and then i just have to talk about my guy richie grant the we'll just say db from ucf because yes he was listed at safety but he played everywhere he could play outside corner he could play slot corner he could play free safety he could play box safety he did it all and you know he had those two interceptions during practices. He can just fly all over the field and make plays wherever you line him up. Yeah. And there, there's a lot of other, you know, really tall, good, fun defensive backs that were out there. And I, I think that it's an interesting year this year for length at the defensive back position. And that seems to be what the, you know, size profile that Patrick Ram is attracted to. And I, you know, I like what we saw from Richie Grant, as you mentioned, and then another bargain bin, taller guy Brian Mills NC Central had a really good week didn't do so well in the game but we try not to put too much stock into the game overall though not a big name prospect coming from a small FCS HBCU program in NC Central that doesn't really produce a lot of guys his name is rising a little bit right now but because where he's coming from he's probably not going to get drafted that highly so if you're sticking around later in the draft and he's available somewhere in rounds five six or seven and you're grading him high enough, I think it would be an interesting grab to go get someone like Brian Mills and see what you can get out of him for another taller, longer corner. Yeah, I think this is a deep class, guys. I really do. I think there's going to be some value there at the wide receiver, the edge position, and the cornerback position, three positions that really interest the Giants this offseason. And I think there's going to be prospects that are that could be really solid football players that are going to be around on day three. Well, folks, I think that's going to be it from us, and I definitely agree with what you said there, Nick, to wrap us up because there are a lot of really good deep position groups, especially that corner group. It is going to be fun to continue to dissect this overall 2021 draft class. The Giants can address multiple positions of need, and we are going to continue to fill you in on all of the names that you should know about for the New York Giants. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, leave us a five-star review, follow us on social media at Big Blue View, and head to BigBlueView.com for more Giants news and analysis. Stay tuned for later in the week as Chris and I look into the linebacker group at the 2021 uh, NFL Draft.